0: I was asked some really good questions. Um, First question is how to know when to ask for or accept help and when to seek care or comfort from other people. And like everything, there is no one answer for this for all people because everybody is really different. And there's also not one answer per person because it depends on where you are in your development and in your healing and also your basic makeup and for basic makeup i always like to go to uh, astrology good astrology or numerology or life path readings that i do to find out why you came here how you're constructed what you came here to learn And I also like to look at things like true colors based on the Myers-Briggs type inventory or now Enneagrams are back in style. They are supposedly come from the Middle East. Um, I don't know if there's any research behind them, but very popular right now. People find that accurate. But I also do find that um, those personality tests uh, and true colors does tell you what compliments work for you what support works for you how you show your stress what stresses you out really great information also great to have your close people in your life take it so you can more understand how they're how they work how they're shaped and um also talks about the kind of work you like etc i've heard the enneagrams do the same thing i've never seen that information and i like to combine that with a spiritual look at you know what are you doing in this incarnation i like to look at both so you find out what your proclivities are right now you tend to be silent you tend to be uh, extroverted you tend to be a talker you tend to be a listener you're hypersensitive you're overly optimistic etc And that can give you a reading on a good starting point for yourself. If you don't really know who you are, it can give you some pretty good feedback of at least where you think you are right now. And one of the biggest uh, issues about healing In the beginning, you, as far as I'm concerned, you have to work with people. You absolutely must. This can be heavily augmented with reading, which there's a lot of indicators in research that people, no matter whether they're going to therapy or working in a group, that when you read information and you get knowledge and you practice the things that you're reading and learning about, you exponentially increase the rate of healing for yourself. But you cannot do it just all by yourself in isolation away from people because healing has a to, lot to do with interpersonal relationships. In the beginning of learning to heal and be more trusting and wanting to improve the quality of your life and you can do this throughout your life like you do it in your 20s and then midlife eh, you're stuck in a hole etc you know you can go back to this work it's not a one-shot deal just like eating healthy how You eat healthily, changes based on the work you're doing, the conditions you're living under, if you're urban, if you're rural, if you have support, you don't have support, if you have health challenges. So eating healthy isn't like, okay, I got it, and that's it for the rest of my life. Same thing with um, waking up, developing, growing, and learning. And whether you work on this or not, you will develop, change, grow, and learn. Some people do it through, addiction, some people do it through overeating, some people do it through changing partners. I prefer to find the least dysfunctional ways and the most healthy ways to continue to grow and develop and expand my life and enjoy it more than than ever before, And especially if you grew up a little rough or very rough. You may not have a lot of skill in enjoying life, so taking healing on as a lifelong journey to me is a really good... Um, I want to say theme to have in your life. In other words, it doesn't have to be the whole thing of your life that you spend your whole life healing, but it is something you're always working on. Just like to me, if you don't stay healthy, at some point you're going to lose quality of life because your hobby is going to be your health. Well, I feel the same way about mental health and spiritual health. If you don't work on it, at some point it will make you work on it. So. Uh, I always advocate not to go down that particular road. One of the big issues of working with people is that I'm watching my cat totally sit on my dog because she's, he's bigger than the dog. <laughs> so one of the big issues is being able to talk about hard things and if you're not used to that. I always suggest you start with a group and you start by listening and getting it normalized for you to hear really scary things being shared. So if you go to adult children of alcoholic or there's incest survivors groups, there's uh, addiction groups, there's all kinds of groups. And if you're really scared, you can call in on Zoom. You can go in on Zoom and not use video and not even use a picture of yourself and go in very anonymously and just listen until you can tolerate hearing these really hard discussions and and hearing how people have gotten so used to sharing what for you might be your precious secrets that you know if somebody doesn't give you the right response you're gonna go and get triggered and get traumatized and re-traumatized etc. Because when you're at that stage in the beginning of growth like oh, I'm sharing my deep, dark secrets with someone and they responded shitty and now I'm upset and depressed. You've got a long way to go to start working on healing because you're not even desensitized enough yet to talk about hard things without feeling vulnerable immediately. So to me, groups and the fact that, uh, especially like 12-step groups, they are not run by a person. There's no chance of Uh, you picking up a dysfunctional therapist or become culty-like working with a spiritual person. A lot of people who work with me in the beginning, they try to turn me into some kind of, you know, giant master, almighty leader, and um, they've done that with my teacher, saw that happen, and he would always blow that up, so they would walk away sometimes for 10, 15 years, sometimes for one or two years, but he would always make sure to um, in a way push them out of the group until they got more balanced about it. And I've had to do the same thing with with people who are uh, holding me up to some set of standards for themselves that's completely inappropriate and unrealistic because they're nothing like me. And even if they were, they have to find their own standards and find their own inner hero and their own inner champion. And yes, you can use someone to Inspire you but not when you're trying to model yourself after that or trying to win the approval of that single person Now if you're with a healthy single healer teacher therapist, etc They will make sure that you do not act like a codependent and you do not get into hero worship, etc but there are plenty of unfortunately well-educated but not very good therapists and there's plenty of new age cuckoo people out there who have done no work on themselves other than you know they're from the ninth dimension and uh, living another lifetime while currently in a human being form and all sorts of other strange and wonderful things that do not offer very many realistic life skills as far as I'm concerned but they it's entertaining the new age industry is very entertaining that's for sure so in the beginning desensitization is huge. And another part of that would be learning to write out your most disgusting, terrifying, horrifying feelings. And again, I think I mentioned recently, um, I think it was Brene Brown who had a therapist on who had some evidence-based research that people who wrote out their feelings have less health problems, less mental health problems, and many other symptomatic issues that disappear. So journaling, and I always burn it, you know, when I'm dumping dark matter, I always burn it with a little prayer. I'm ready to let this go. If it's in my highest good, take it from me. And if it's not taken from me, it means I haven't gone through whatever it is I need to go through to learn whatever it is I need to learn before it becomes a non-issue. So I might write the same letter over a period of five years. I might write the same letter, you know, for two weeks. I might write the letter once, so there's no um, steady, standardized pattern to that. So until you can get desensitized about some of your dark stuff, like maybe you hate straight people, maybe you hate white people, and you can't work with somebody unless they are exactly like you because you're so sensitive maybe you're overweight so you want an overweight person to work with so you don't feel shame and until you get past that pretty much everybody risks the chance of triggering you because you're just so wound up everything's going to trigger you and to me you're going to be wasting a lot of time and money If you work with a single person in the beginning before you get desensitized. I find that a lot of people have a huge ego issue about going to 12 step meetings. Like I'm spiritual. I'm not a codependent. Well, you're spiritual and you're an empath and you're a psychic, but you're also a codependent. (laughs) Sorry to say that, but you are. And yeah, you can come work it out, you know, individually, but it's a lot more expensive and it takes a lot more time to do that. And it doesn't always transfer well, because if you are working through those initial stages with just one person, now you've decided to share your deepest, darkest, scariest, most vulnerable secrets with that one special person that still hasn't gotten you well adapted to population, you know, to people. It's just that one person. And that often gets kind of weird you know, that you have picked that one person to talk to. So I would suggest start off with a group. And if you want to really get going, go to a meeting every day, go to two or three meetings, you know, just listen. I have put meetings on headphones and I'm picking up horse poop, walking the dogs and I'm listening to a meeting and learning new stuff and you know Gen Z is a new experience and 12 steps have changed and society has changed so I check in and listen to meetings and hear what's going on and what are the complaints these days compared to the complaints when I first went to meetings in the 80s etc. I'm thinking (laughs) when to seek care or comfort from other people is the second part of that question. Going back to uh, this first question for a second here. In the beginning, I do not think you can do this work alone and You might be able to, I would still think you would have to attend groups and listen in, but if you have a strong spiritual practice, and that does not mean that you meditate in order to feel good, or meditate to escape, or meditate to go to your safe place, all of which are good things, but they are very specific sort of. Uh, I want to say patches for distress, anxiety, and fear, but where you can have a meditation practice where you really understand about acceptance and surrender and can allow yourself to be taught by spirit. So you will be taken into new realms, which is very scary for wounded people to go somewhere new when they're not even feeling safe where they are. But if you can do that, you can do quite a bit of work by yourself. You would have to supplement it in my opinion with reading and practicing things among humans. But again, in the beginning, uh, you very often will pick people who resonate with your wounded energy. And you might shy away from someone who is really healthy and good for you because you've never had a healthy encounter with somebody. For example, if you tend to hang around people who walk on eggshells around you and protect your feelings and they're very careful and they know you're vulnerable and they're so kind and they're always so complimentary and they make you feel safe. And then you meet somebody to work with who treats you like an adult, you might feel that that is abusive in your stage of development, that that is absolutely Horrifying that you are not getting protected and comforted and buffeted and rubbed uh, rubbed and wrapped, sorry, in bubble wrap, etc. So again, I would go back to get desensitized so that it is no longer a big deal for you to say, um, my mother molested me or my father abandoned me emotionally and was abusive verbally and now you do not feel like you have told someone a state secret and they are bound to keep that secret with you and treat you special because you told them all that you just are able to talk about it and you might cry a little and it's just there it is and that you have begun to find some people outside of uh, recovery groups that you can actually say that to maybe friends, or um, maybe people in other kinds of groups that are doing other kinds of work, maybe learning healing work and stuff like that, where it's appropriate that comes up in an appropriate fashion. And that you can also survive if you say something like that to someone, and they get triggered and have a response that you don't freak out. And now you're wounded. And I knew I wasn't safe in the world, etc. cetera, that you would just understand that person is messed up and you triggered them. And that's not your fault. It has happened and they got to have a reaction that has absolutely nothing to do with you. It takes a while to get to that point. Absolutely. Seeking care and comfort from other people. Again, depending on how fragile you are. If you're super fragile, you're gonna isolate and wrap yourself in bubble wrap and that might be absolutely appropriate for you to do for a while. And you might be going to groups and learning to get desensitized by listening to other people share first. And maybe now you're in a place to get comfort from others in a group by you starting to share. If you move forward without doing that you would pretty much have to say to somebody something like this I'm about to share something with you really scary and this is how I'd like you to react (laughs) you might have to say that like don't say anything don't respond don't hug me or hug me or stay with me for the rest of the day like you're just gonna have to control the response of the other person so you don't get in trouble by sharing something that still is very fragile for you to share another option is that you have learned so much about yourself that you now know that what looks like care for you is getting into some nice distraction with other people like let's say you know you're going through a hard time emotionally and you want to hang out with your friend jamie because jamie never shuts up and it's totally funny and entertaining and that would be a great distraction for you today and they don't even know they're giving you care and comfort you're just picking from your circle of friends or family members Their known behavior patterns and which set of known behavior patterns would work for you Maybe you have a friend who goes to the movies. So you're depressed. You call up the movie friend They'll always go to a movie with you So you do a movie with them and they don't know that they're giving you care and comfort But you are getting that from them Perhaps you have a nature friend who will go for a walk with you or a meditation friend. So you just kind of go to your menu of people for care and comfort. But actually making yourself vulnerable enough to get care and comfort from another person straightforward, where they know that's what's happening. Like you call and say, I'm really depressed. Can we go to a movie today? That kind of thing. Again, to me, if you don't get desensitized first, if that person doesn't react in exactly the right way that you think they should react at that moment, based on how you're feeling, You're going to get triggered and they're going to feel bad and wrong because they didn't know that you had this secret agenda called, I need you to do exactly what I need you to do in order for me to feel better at this moment. So let's say you've gotten desensitized. Let's say you've been going to groups and you've been sharing. And now you can talk about things. I'll tell you that there's people I've seen after one year to five years who can still not admit they're angry or depressed or scared or filled with self-hatred. I mean, they just can't. And it's been years, years and years of work. These are typically people who do not go to groups and share. They are working through this on a one-to-one basis and it takes a really, really long time. And these are people who have no trust issues with me. In other words, they don't feel that I am a shaming, critical person or that I'm trying to get something from them, etc. Um, the people who t- do feel that way, they came because I think I'm some kind of powerful magician. At some point, they usually leave because they're here to get something magical from me, which is, it's just never gonna happen. There will be magical moments, but the magic, it always comes from the person. You have to get your own magic. People can help inspire, sometimes they can set off some good fireworks for you, but it never lasts unless you pick it up and do the work yourself. Once you are really comfortable with the emotions that you originally swore you would either never be comfortable with, or you were in complete denial that you had them. Like, I never get angry. I'm not sad. I don't hate myself. I'm not upset that I'm fat, etc. I don't hate my mother. You know, all these things that you have decided you are not or are not happening for you and you don't have those feelings because it was part of how you survived childhood. Those are all gonna get in the way because somebody is gonna trigger you at some point without meaning to, or you're just gonna get triggered all by yourself because it's there's still store point. But let's say you're now at the point where you have talked in 12-step meetings, or you've been to a therapist, or you've been with me, and you can now talk about being angry and revengeful and uh, filled with grief or depression or the four Fs of trauma response, that that's what you go into, and, and it doesn't set you off a whole lot. Now you have, oh, and also, you know how to talk about these things. You can actually bring them up and you can handle a slight triggering that may or may not go on. In other words, you have a reaction or the person has a reaction. Now you're really ready for asking for care and comfort from a larger community meaning your lovers your partners your family your friends maybe even co-workers maybe even a boss like you might ask a boss uh, to not tell you to do something in a certain way or a certain tone of voice because it's really hard for you to hear and it would work better if you heard it this way so you could actually do that care and that level of care and comfort with a supervisor at some point but to me you have to get at least on a very basic level past the hoarding of your emotions and the shyness of speaking up. Because now that you start to practice on a broader level, the skill set of receiving care and comfort from other people, you're going to have to have some resilience because sometimes people are going to say no. Or they might not come through the way you want them to. Like maybe you go to the movies, but then your friend dumps all his or her upsetness on you that day on a day, you can't handle it. So you have to have some resilience. Otherwise, what's gonna happen is you're gonna reach out. Something's gonna go wrong because that always happens. Life isn't perfect. And then you're gonna freak out. And that other person is gonna feel like they somehow got blindsided and they didn't know, that you had this secret agenda of care and comfort, etc. So now that you have more resilience and you can talk and you can listen and you can tolerate people's reactions to you without it setting you off, now it's just going to be trial and error. It's really interesting to go back and retest yourself. Um, with two colors or enneagrams and see if you now test differently now that you've got sort of a basement of healing in and you can talk about the dark stuff in your life without trying to manipulate people to respond a certain way or without you overreacting or getting reactive when people respond in a way that was unexpected for you oh i have a puppy in my face oh she girl, yes, good girl. It's very interesting to see how your test results change. And um, I know mine have changed so much over the years that I have to actually go back to astrology and go back to numerology and go back to kind of the spiritual side of things to touch base with who I am in this life and what I'm doing here on planet Earth but that's very specific to me. That may not be everybody, and it isn't everybody because we're all different, but I have so much mutability in this life. My scores have changed drastically. Going to graduate school turned me into a research geek. Prior to that, I was super uh, intuitive and overly helpful to people, and the isolation of going to school and doing so much research drastically changed my, uh, the quality of how I live in this life. So I always retake my scores. I always go back and, and look at them and see what else, what's going on now. So along with getting care and comfort, there was this question of, Be um. Strategies for beginning to learn to balance showing vulnerability while staying in touch with the more protective parts of the self. And great question. Great question. If you've gotten yourself pretty desensitized, you find that vulnerability isn't as scary as it was at first. And the scary part comes from having a shitty childhood or adult trauma. Um, A really great book to look into, by the way, I just discovered it, is Pete Walker, Chronic, I'm sorry, Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. Chapter 13, he gives excellent advice on how to find a great therapist. You could also apply that to a healer. Chapter 15 has a list of fantastic books to read to continue your education. And chapter 16, he gives a very specific list of tools in like 10 different toolboxes that is outstanding material. But now let's say I've been talking in groups and I've shared, learned to share it in groups and maybe I even got a sponsor and sponsors in groups, they share their experience, strength and hope with the people they are helping, meaning they share their own journey and what's worked for them. They don't have answers for you. They just can share their own stories of what they did. And that's another reason that we go to groups is we hear all these different ways that we could work ourselves forward and all these different ways to handle our feelings instead of one way from one therapist. Um, And most therapists I know have not put themselves into things like 12-step programs. In fact, that's one of the questions you might want to check out with a therapist or a healer. It's like, what have you done? What work have you actually done on yourself besides get a degree? Because a degree is not work on yourself. It's um, cognitive and behavioral development and learning and knowledge and hopefully some wisdom. But doesn't necessarily mean that they have worked on themselves. So I always encourage people to find out about that. The beginning strategies about sharing vulnerable things, this would go back to the stage of, now that I'm desensitized, now that I've written out some really dark, horrible things, and whether you've burned them or just journaled about them, and now that I have started verbally sharing some of this material in a safe environment, whether it's a group or with an individual, now you can start testing out being more open and more vulnerable in the general population. Beginning strategies, I would say is don't skip the steps I just talked about until then, until you've gotten that under your belt, I would work more on boundaries than vulnerability. I would work more on learning how to keep myself safe with different kinds of people. And When you set boundaries, remember, people are going to have a reaction. They always have a reaction. And sometimes it's supportive, but most of the time there's a little bit of shock in there from people. Or they may feel attacked or criticized or put off or something. And you have to let them have that reaction as long as it's not abusive to you. And you're going to have to work through it. So boundaries aren't just like, I get to say this and people follow it. No, a lot of times there's negotiation, there's a rejection, there's a compromise that has to be worked out, et cetera. So first you have boundaries because the question was, how do I, you know, start to be vulnerable to others and keep up my self care. Boundaries is how you keep up your self care. Because you might need to say something once you start being a little more honest or intimate with other people in your life. You might have to say, I need to stop talking about this now and I, I need a half an hour, you know, and I'll get back to you or I need to get back to you later or I can't do any more of this today or I can't continue this conversation. All these kinds of boundaries that you set up, these are self-care. Especially when you're trying out a new thing, like starting to get more open and honest and more vulnerable with other people. So I would say there is a hierarchy of skill development in healing. And sadly, a lot of people feel more safe with a psychic type person. And one of the reasons for that is typically a psychic person will tell you what they already know about you and poof, you don't have to do any work of discovering it for yourself. And somehow you think they're closer to God or spirit or whatever you believe in or the ninth dimensional superhuman being. So you find yourself able to open up to someone who really understands you. Well, That's just pure lazy, I'm sorry. It's good to find someone like that so you can feel safe enough to start healing, but to then turn that into, these are the only kind of people I can talk to, is a wrong turn in my opinion. You might stay there for a little while, but at some point you've got to be able to know who you are and you've got to be able to tolerate who other people are and you've got to be able to tolerate other people's reactions to you whereas a psychic is going to make you feel good about who you are and it's all meant to be and here's what you're learning and it's all in a wonderful spiritual context. But unless you join a cult or you know live in a community that is all psychics and uh, people who get you which is a little bit narcissistic in my opinion You're not going to be able to be out among a wide range of people, which to me is what a healthy person can do is tolerate a wide range of people. They may not like everybody and they may not want to be with a wide range of people 24 seven, but it's no longer triggering, exhausting. You know, sometimes you hear people say, and I'm an empath and I'm around people I'm exhausted. Well, I used to be that way until I got strong. I, I could hardly tolerate anything. I was super sensitive, very psychic, yay, very dysfunctional though, then that's not helpful. That can't go on for years and years and years and years. Uh, I guess it could. I guess you could marry a caretaker who, you know, you are the fragile one that everybody has to take care of and and maybe that will work for you. And I don't mean that sarcastically. (laughs) I mean, that might be Your path that might be how it needs to work for you but for those of you who want to be more flexible and uh, be out there in the world and tolerate a wide range of people boundaries get put in place first your tolerance for people's reactions and your ability to negotiate compromises regarding boundaries that's your caretaking your baby caretaking skills right there and now that you can talk about deep dark stuff and you don't get triggered so much or if you get triggered you can come back to yourself rather quickly and you know how to do good recovery things whether it's taking a bath calling a friend going to a meeting now you can start testing out vulnerability with um we used to call them mundanes or normal people is how it's often referred to in 12-step programs or in Harry Potter world, muggles. Now you can start to be a little bit more open and honest and vulnerable with normal people. And you do that in little teeny tiny baby steps, not giant things and baby steps and uh, assuming things might go right or things might go wrong. But if they go wrong, I'm really good at boundaries now and I'm really good at self-care. So you might tell somebody Maybe you start being vulnerable just with a boundary, with someone you never set a boundary with, such as, you know, when you dress up and look in the mirror and tell me how happy you are that you look so good, I feel a little criticized, like, I don't know, like somehow looking good is important in your world and I'm not in that world. Could you tell me about that? You might start with something like that. But expect a big reaction if you've been having a relationship with that person that was mostly dodgy, meaning we're not talking about shit. <laughs> I don't bring stuff up to my movie friends. I don't bring stuff up to my dinner friends. And, and maybe you shouldn't, maybe that's all they're good for. But let's say there's someone who you've gotten a little closer to either friendship wise or family in your family or at work, pick something real small to experiment with. And that's not because you're damaged goods or anything. That's just kind of normal human behavior. Like courtship, you get to know each other really slowly and find out if you're a good match for an intimate relationship, instead of just jumping into bed and going down fairyland, that this is my twin flame and my soulmate. No, you take a year and a half, two years to know somebody because most people can't put their best foot forward that long so you want to see the cracks you want to see the basement and the dark underside of the person and make sure you can get along with that side as well as the side that is so fabulous and wonderful and connected and we know each other etc. So. Pick a person and if you're working with someone, my suggestion would be you make a plan with that person. So, say for example, uh, if I have someone who's been working with me for a while and they say are having trouble with someone at work, we might make a plan about I'm going to talk to this person about this thing. And here are the different things I want to say. Here are the things I don't want to say because it feels like that's too inappropriate or it might be triggering for them, or uh, it's just not the right time to say that. And here are the possible reactions that might happen. And how can I be prepared for that? And we make a whole plan. And then they go try it. And then they, next week I see them, we can talk about how to go. That's about the safest way you can do it. Now, you can also sometimes do that with a sponsor in 12 step meeting, but to try to do this on your own, especially if you don't have a strong meditation practice where you don't really feel energy. And I know some people tell me how they feel energy. And then what I find out is what they're feeling is a, a, a novel, a long story that they'll give me about some experience they had meditating but energy doesn't have a story energy has some feelings to it but most of the time when we're working with higher energies if not all the time we don't know what we're learning or feeling because we're being taught stuff that is far beyond our current human comprehension it takes a while for that change to go through our atoms, our metabolism, our energy field, and then we start to comprehend new things that we never could have even imagined before. So if you don't have that kind of practice, I am talking to you mostly on a psychological level now, but also connected to your spiritual journey, why you're here on this earth, what you're here, here to learn, etc. The recovery work it's almost like a diet or going to the gym. If you go on a diet, you weigh yourself, you see if it's working, you pay attention to your energy field, your food cravings, your mood, if you're getting depressed, etc. you do all of that, you don't just go on the diet. You gotta see if it's working and how is it working and is the price you're paying for it too big or is it good enough and are people supporting you or not supporting you or are they helping to sabotage you? If you sabotage yourself, what happened? What triggered you? You do all of that mindfulness work around a diet. You do the same thing around physical exercise. Well, you do the same thing here in recovery work. So if you've decided you are going to work on vulnerability, make a plan, try it, and have a way to evaluate it. And maybe you just take it back to your 12-step meeting and talk about what happened or your sponsor, but again especially in the beginning and not only in the beginning but especially in the beginning to me you need someone to go to you need someone who makes you think makes you work and believes that you are a bigger and better version of yourself than you think you are not somebody who wraps you in bubble wrap and coddles you only you might need that in the beginning but then after a while we need somebody who is uh, stimulating challenging knowledgeable and and be- raises the bar for you and believes that you can make it you make a plan you do the plan you evaluate the plan that's how you start and by the way throughout life you go through giant life changes whether it's a divorce or a marriage or kids or kids leave or you change a job or someone dies you usually need someone again And sometimes it can be a best friend later on in life because you've got a lot of skill sets and sometimes you need to go back to a professional. This is why people, by the way, go to 12-step meetings forever because it is a lifestyle. It's a way to check in on a community that is living a certain way. I've also seen that with things like Weight Watchers, that people belong to Weight Watchers forever because it's a supportive place, not culty, that when you need a tune up or you need some encouragement or you need some more structure to help you with self discipline, you go back there. I'm trying to think if there's Anything else I can say about this? In general, I would say the scariest part about learning is trying it out. You can read books, but then you got to try it. You go to therapy or you see a healer, or you see someone like me, then you got to try it. You got to try new behaviors and see how they work. And trying new behaviors For some people, their whole life, it's terrifying. For some people, it's terrifying in the beginning and then they just get used to it and it's okay. For some people, it takes them years to try new behavior. And for some people, they can't really do a whole lot of new behavior. So we're gonna find a way to instead try to build up enough structure in their life to make them feel safe for now and then spirit will move them to the next step when the time is right because whether you work on yourself or not you will work on yourself life will force you to work on yourself through finances or relationships career changes life circumstances having an awakened life is not for everybody it's not what everybody's here to do though sometimes i have a very strong judgmental opinion about that (laughs) that everybody should be doing that, but that's me being a crazy person. The other thing about starting off on new behaviors like uh, trying to be vulnerable, learning boundaries, speaking up in a 12-step meeting is when you make a plan, make sure that your energy is there for it that day you know just because you make a plan doesn't mean you have to do it so you might make a plan and then that day you feel like crap don't do it replan it this is why i like paper calendars because you can go back and see where you first started and you've put it off for five weeks so maybe it's not the next step maybe it's too big of a next step so maybe you need to do something else instead and you want to use a combination of your left brain logic psychology and your right brain, intuition, spirituality, guidance from source in order to take your chances and understand that you absolutely will fail, absolutely, otherwise you're not learning. Oh, if you can see that as part of the process, if you can't, look up Pema Chodron's uh, lecture she gave to a student graduating student body college I forgot which college called fail fail again fail better if failing freaks you out then you have not desensitized yourself enough to be moving on to new experiments I have also seen um, I don't know if I've seen this a lot, but people who have become very good at sharing how horrible they are, so you think they're being very open and honest, but what they've learned to do is to share their dark side, and they sound so open, you know, they talk about self-hatred, they talk about shame, they talk about sadness and grief. And they continue to talk about that for a couple of years (laughs) with no changes in behavior. And after a while, we see that what looks like open and honest has become a way to garner comfort and attention and not be held accountable or responsible and to not have to change their behaviors. So one of the things you wanna keep in balance is that when you learn to do what we can call shadow work, is that, that doesn't become your new normal that now you talk about that to everybody and they think you're so open and they give you attention and they applaud you for being so amazing because you cry in public and you talk about how embarrassed you are etc and yet there's no behavior changes going on and it can actually become a really dark so- cycle where not only are there no behavior changes but now there is shame and grief and rage about being a constant failure who can never stop drinking or never stop using sugar or can never stop whatever it is. And now that becomes like the new persona, like, I am the perfect patient, I am the perfect, um, I need to be healed, I need to be in recovery. And all I talk about is all these things, and I've even seen it go so far as those folks literally cannot share any good news anymore because if they share any good news they're afraid they won't get attention. So it has swung over to this other balance point where all they talk about is things that appear to be vulnerable and hard to talk about and gut-wrenching, heart-opening things. But it has become a new persona as a way to get wrapped up in bubble wrap, get attention, be excused for all their behaviors. Um, and they can, I want to say, harvest a lot of love and attention. That would be a whole other discussion as to how that happens and why that happens. But I would say, make sure you don't overbalance in that direction. And you might go that direction for a while. Sometimes when you start into recovery work, you just go down a deep, dark tunnel but not for one, two, three years, et cetera, maybe for six months. And then it starts to shift where you do that, but you also see what's working and you have a lot of great, happy days and things are working out. And also you have this darkness because there's some things you never get over incest or abandonment or a cult-like childhood or i've even heard some people, you know, decry the fact that they grew up in poverty and had to work hard which does not really fall under the label of abuse, but for some people it maybe i guess that overbalanced part of there are some people who feel they need to have a story of suffering and abuse in order to deserve and win attention. So keep yourself in balance. And again, I say, keep yourself in balance. I would say you need to work with someone until you can start feeling when you are in a balanced point and learn to feel that. There are so many people I know that if I ask them, how is this feeling right now? What's happening? Their answer is, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what you're feeling right now, how can you possibly keep yourself in balance? So I would say in the beginning years maybe even the first five years maybe not all the time five years but on and off work with someone or a group like if you go to 12-step meetings find what we call a home meeting and there'll be some consistency there and the reason i say that is you'll get to see certain members that you know who are there on a regular basis you'll get to see them grow and that will model for you what growth looks like. You'll get to hear them talk about it and you'll get to hear all the ups and downs of when life starts working, that can sometimes be more scary than when life isn't working because when life isn't working, you're used to that neighborhood. But when life starts working, you're like, I don't even know how to do this. I used to describe it that I lived in hell and I changed apartments in hell and I thought I was doing well and I didn't know that's what I was doing. And then one day I moved to Beverly Hills and I had no idea how to negotiate Beverly Hills. I was completely lost. It was like being in a foreign culture and it was terrifying. And I wanted to make sure I didn't run back and rent another apartment in hell because I knew how to negotiate hell. And, and this is not just an emotional uh, metaphor this is actually really true for example if you grow up in a ghetto you grow up in extreme poverty you literally have to learn the skills of hanging out with middle class or the very wealthy culturally they're very very different how people talk what they talk about what they do what are priorities completely changes whether you're living in poverty or you're living middle class or wealthy and it takes learned skills to do that so that's just regular life. Well, emotionally and energetically, it's the same thing. Living in recovery as opposed to discovery and healing, but it's now instead of healing, you're evolving. It can often be more terrifying than the work you did before, because now you know nothing. You don't know social cues. You don't know boundaries. You don't know the culture. You don't know who to trust, who not to trust. You don't know what this normal is etc. So I hope you check out Pete Walker's book. Um, If you don't want to listen to the whole thing, check out chapter 13 on what you should look for in a good therapist slash healer. Very hard to find in my opinion these days. Um, Check out chapter 15 for a great bibliography of books to read. and. Chapter 16, I would say, is a little bit further down. You know, you need to have your feet in the work already, but maybe you want to listen to it right now. And if you're listening instead of reading, definitely be prepared to take notes, especially on the toolbox part and the bibliography part. Those three chapters in particular, you're going to need to take notes for sure. I hope this helps. I hope you keep sending questions. And I hope to see you at Life Path Healings.